Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. What is your opinion on New Year's resolutions? Uh, They're a bit like politics, aren't they? Everybody has an opinion on it, and it can be a contentious topic, right? There's some people who, man, you just, you're, you're a New Year's resolution advocate. You think they're the greatest thing in the world, they're amazing, they're helpful, and you dive into them every, every year. Others of you are on the other side of the spectrum, and you're just like, you hate them, and you think they're a joke, and studies say this, and, and you're like, you have no interest in them. And then the rest of us are somewhere in between. question is, what are New Year's resolutions? where they're all about putting something into place, some type of habit that is going to make your life better. That's the whole point of them. And it's somewhat customary uh, for churches, and us included, to do some type of sermon series around developing good new habits when you kick off the year. Uh, We've done that many years, and churches do that from time to time. But this year, I wanted to flip the script. And this year, I actually wanted to talk about the bad habits that are already in your lives. I want you to feel worse about your lives. No. no. I want to talk about these bad habits that do not make our life better. And what's more, these bad habits are rarely, if ever, talked about when you're talking about New Year's resolutions which is part of the reasons I wanted to talk about them, because these bad habits aren't good for us, and in fact, they're not just bad habits, they're more than just bad habits. The ones we're going to look at are are, are what the Bible calls sin. And what's interesting about these sins that we're going to look at is it's easy for people to see them as much more acceptable in our lives than, than some of the more obvious sins that we know are wrong, right? You know, uh, there's certain sins you're like, no, that's wrong, you know, rape and murder and stealing and all that. You're like, yeah, that's obviously wrong. But there are other habits or sins that we think are, that's more acceptable. That's more understandable. That, in fact, is even necessary at times, so we say. But it doesn't mean that they are acceptable in the eyes of God. So to kick this off and to provide you and I a theme passage for this series, I want to look at a powerful prayer that David prayed in Psalm chapter 139. I'd encourage you to snap a picture of this even and, and hold on to this in this series and maybe even this year. And David prayed this in Psalm 139. He said, God, search me. Know my heart. God, test me and know my anxious thoughts. God, point out anything in me that offends you. Say the word offends. God, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That's the basis for this series. God, is there anything in me? God, is there anything that I do? God, are there any habits in my life that are offensive to you? God, is there anything in my life that you call sin but I call acceptable? God, is there anything in me that, that you call sin, but I call, or that I call as necessary at times? Is there any habit in my life, God, that offends you? Point it out to me. That's our prayer for this series, and I hope you will embrace that today, this week, and throughout the series, and perhaps throughout the year. Okay, with that kind of as our introduction for the series, let's dive in 
to the topic today. By show of hands, how many of you would say that you have lied in the last 24 hours? Raise your hand if you have lied within the last 24 hours. Keep your hand up. Okay, let me ask it again. How many of you, okay, go ahead and put your hands down. I'm just going to say right now, this is, I guess, the most holy church on planet Earth. So I'll ask it again. How many of you would say you have lied in the last 24 hours? Okay. Odds are this. If your hand is, hand is not up, you're actually lying. Okay? Odds are. Now, I can't say that for sure. But studies show us that the average person lies four times a day. There's a a study, uh, uh, University of Massachusetts psychologist Robert Feldman, he studied uh, um, uh, lying for decades and he has some startling conclusions. But one of his studies, he found that 60% of people lie during a typical 10-minute conversation with a new person and they told two to three lies in that conversation with a new person. Now, most of the people in the study didn't even realize that they had lied. It was only after they watched the recording, because it was recorded, it was only after watching the recording that they saw that they had actually lied. I ask you again, how many think they have lied in the last 24 hours? Now, what's interesting about lying is you don't ever have to teach your kids to lie, right? I mean, that's not something you have to teach. You know, your kid walks in, uh, and you're in the living room, and their face is covered in chocolate frosting, and you're like, son, did you eat the chocolate cake? And they're like, no, no. It's like it's it's just in our sinful nature to just lie. And just because it's kind of just there and it's in the world and in culture and society, just because it's acceptable in our society, it doesn't mean that it's acceptable to God. In fact, I want to show you exactly how God feels. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, it says this. It says, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. The Lord detests, the Lord hates when we lie. In fact, the word detest, to'aba in Hebrew, it means disgusting. It means an abomination. It means something that makes somebody nauseous. So I want you to think about that. When you and I lie, it actually makes God nauseous, which is to say it makes God want to vomit. He detests lying lips. Proverbs chapter 6 says that God hates a lying tongue. But this passage in Proverbs 12 also tells us that God delights in those who are people who tell the truth. Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says this, starting in verse 21, he says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. Everybody say former. Your former way of life, throw it off, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit Renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So the Apostle Paul tells us, you and I, throw off your old nature. Throw off your former life. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts. Now watch what Paul says. So stop telling what? Stop telling 
lies. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our, let us tell our neighbors the truth. So stop telling lies, Paul says. That's part of your former way of life before you knew Jesus, before you were a Christ follower. It's been said that you and I are never more like the devil than, we're telling, than when we're telling lies. I think Jesus would agree with that statement based on what he said in John chapter 8. Jesus spoke about the devil and he said this of the devil. He said he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. Why? Because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The father of lies. Perhaps this is the reason why God hates lying so much, why he detests it. Because his spiritual enemy, our spiritual enemy, the great deceiver, the devil, his number one weapon is to, is to lie to us, to deceive us. Now, what's his plan? What's the devil's plan to coerce you and I away from the truth that is found in God, that is found in his scriptures, that is found in Jesus Christ? What is his plan to coerce us away from that? What does the devil want us to do? Well, first, simply, the devil just wants to get you and I to lie. That's where he starts. He wants you and I to join him to speak, as Jesus said, his native language by getting you and I to lie. It could be as simple as exaggerating a story. It could be as simple as, okay, I'm going to tell a partial truth, maybe to make ourselves look better. It could be cheating on a test. It could be lying about where you are or where you're going or what you're doing. It's amazing how often, because of our sinful nature, that we speak the devil's language and we lie. You look in Scripture and you see people who lied. I think about Cain who lied to God when God asked where his brother Abel was. Think about Abraham, who lied to Pharaoh about his wife Sarah and said that his wife Sarah was her sister. In fact, he did it twice. I think about Peter, who lied not once, not twice, but three times about even knowing who Jesus was. Think about Ananias and his wife Sapphira who lied to the apostles, telling them that they had given all the money from the sale of their property, that they had given it all to the, to the church. What does the devil want us to do? Well, number one, he wants to get us to lie, to join him in speaking his native language. He gets us to accept that lying, that's just a normal part of life. That's just kind of what you do in life. That it's even necessary at times. He gets you to lie. But then the devil gets you to lie to yourself. He gets you to lie to yourself. How does that happen? Simple. He convinces you to rationalize. Everybody say rationalize. He gets you and I to rationalize. To get us to rationalize our thinking, which will then lead to rationalizing our behavior. That we'll start off thinking, well, you know, I, I'm not really that bad. Uh, doing that, that, that's not that big of a deal. I, I can quit that anytime. Well, I'm not hurting anybody. That's not my fault. Well, I'm just a victim. I, I'm justified in this because look what they've done. Well, I don't really want to hurt your feelings. I deserve this. Well, if they wouldn't do that, I wouldn't have to do that. 
You're not just lying to others, but you're lying to yourself. Justifying in your mind, which leads to justifying your behavior. This is exactly what King David did in the Old Testament when he thought he was above the rules and above the laws. You might know the story. 2 Samuel chapter 11 and chapter 12. Maybe read it this week, but you might know the story. And it goes like this. David's up on a rooftop, uh, his rooftop at his palatial estate looking down, and all the homes are below him, and so he can see everything. And, and he sees this woman who is bathing. Now, in the passage, it says that David sees her. The Hebrew word for David seeing her is the Hebrew word ra'ah. David sees her, and it goes like this, ra'ah. David sees her, ra'ah. You're probably not going to forget that Hebrew word now, right? Ra'ah. So he sees her. He then has his servants bring her to him. After all, he's justifying, I'm the king. I can do whatever I want. I can have whatever I want. Well, if you know the story, he ended up committing adultery with her, including getting her pregnant. As I think about Wilton and all that and using a metaphor here, the levy of truth was broken in his life. And so the floodwaters of lies then poured out. He devised a plan to cover up his sin. He brings home her husband, Uriah, from the battlefield. He says, well, I'm going to get him to sleep with her so that then it'll look like he got her pregnant. Well, being the honorable soldier he was, and he didn't want to be with his wife at that moment because his, his troops were out on the battlefield, and so he wasn't going to do that. And David kept trying to, you know, weasel his way in here and get, get Uriah to, to do something here. And so there's all this deception, all this trickery, all this lying going on. Finally, David takes it a step further. And he then realizes his plan's not going to work. So he says, well, I need to get Uriah on the front battlefield, like out on the front. That's my only chance I have left so that he can be kill, killed. They put him out on the front battlefield where the, where the fighting happens at its fiercest. And there Uriah is killed. It's a horrific story of lie upon lie, deception upon deception, all starting with a rationalization in the mind which led to a rationalization of behavior. Sometime later, the prophet Nathan approaches King David and says, David, I have a story I need to share with you. He says, once upon a time, there was this rich and powerful man who had more wealth and more herds and more animals than anybody else than you can possibly imagine. And then there's this poor man. And this poor man only had one little lamb. And his family loved the lamb. It was like family. It was their pet. That's all that they had. One day, a hungry person comes to the rich man. And, and the rich man, rather than taking from his abundance, his surplus of herds to provide this person something to eat, he takes the lamb, the only lamb, from this poor family has that killed and sacrificed and uses that lamb to feed this hungry person. David hears this story and he's like taken back. He's like, I, seriously? Like, that's happened? That's unbelievable. I'm furious. This is the worst thing I've ever heard. That rich man, he should be put to death. He needs to be held accountable for that. He has to pay for that horrendous crime. And in 2 Samuel chapter 12, then Nathan said to David, you are the man. 
Ataish in Hebrew. Ataish, you are the man. Some of you who are listening to this message right now, God has already, through the Holy Spirit, has already been speaking, or throughout this message will be speaking to you, and the Holy Spirit will be speaking to you and saying to you, Ataish, you're the one, you're the man. Ataisha, you're the woman. It's you. You've lied to others, and now, Ataish, you're the man, you're Ataisha, you're the woman, you're lying to yourself, you've deceived yourself, you're living apart from God's truth. You've justified your thinking. It's led to justifying your behavior. Ataish, you're the man. Ataisha, you're the woman. It's you. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm chapter 119, God, keep me from lying to myself and give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. God, keep me from lying to myself. What does our enemy, the father of lies, want us to do? He wants to get us to lie. And then he wants to get us to lie to ourselves. And finally, the devil wants us to to get us to live a lie, to tell lies, to lie to ourselves, and then to ultimately live a lie. The devil gets us to claim one thing, but to in reality be something completely different. Now, obviously, that isn't every one of us here, but I suspect it's some of us. That in reality, we're living a lie. Maybe you come across like, you know, this incredible Christian, but the reality is, the truth is, you're maybe a porn addict or an alcoholic or a drug addict or or a spending addict or some type of addiction that has its claws inside of you and in you. Or maybe you come across on social media like you're, you're just having this amazing and perfect life and man, it looks awesome. But inside you're battling depression and feelings of meaningless every single day. Maybe you're this you know, incredible Pinterest mom and everything you do matches and the house is perfect and you've made everything and everything looks perfect. But on the inside, you're completely desperate and alone. And hopeless. Or how about this in public, at church, in a life group, at work, in social environments? Everybody thinks you have the perfect marriage. Like everybody looks up to you and your marriage. You look the part, you act the part, but when you're home, your lives are completely separate. You're distant, you're disconnected from one another. Some of us, the reality is, we're living a lie. And the Holy Spirit is working on you right now and saying, Ataish, Ataisha, that it's you. The Holy Spirit is calling out you right now. The devil wants us ultimately to live a lie. I got to tell you this, as, as your pastor, as someone who loves you and cares for you and wants more than anything for you to know the truth of Jesus Christ, to experience the truth of Jesus Christ, to know what it's like to live life to the fullest, abundant life in Jesus Christ. That's what I want for you more than anything, to experience salvation, not just salvation once you die and go to heaven, but to experience that each and every day of your life. And here's what I know. The devil is a deceiver. And what I know is, and it scares me, it's something that like when I think, when you ask me, hey, pastor, what scares you? Like, what are you afraid of? What, what I'm afraid of, what scares me is that some of us have been deceived into believing that we're a Christian. 
when in fact we may not be one at all. That's what keeps me up. When I start going down that path, I'm thinking about that. Are there people here, part of this flock, God, that you've entrusted to our care as leaders, as shepherds, who in reality aren't saved at all? God told, Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 7 that we will know people by their fruit. And for some, man, the fruit of your life is just not reflective of somebody who has surrendered their life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. You've been lied to by the devil, and, 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 and you've been lied, and, and you believe a lie, and you believe, hey, because you believe in Jesus, you're all good to go. But unless Jesus is Lord of your life, unless he's Lord of your life, you don't have a saving faith. The Bible says even the demons believe. Do you have a saving faith? 1 John chapter 2, verse 4, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands. In other words, there's no true obedience. There's no true life change. There's no true fruit in your life. That you don't look any different than the rest of the world. That the way you handle money is no different than everybody else around you. That your marriage is no different than those who aren't in Christ. That your morals are no different than those who aren't in Christ. That your service and your sacrifice, it just looks like everybody else's. There's no fruit of being a Jesus follower. Listen. When we know God, when we know Jesus as our Lord, our lives are different. We stand out as a, as a light, as a shining star in a dark world. And it's obvious by what you do and by what you save. You're not saved by your works. You're saved by grace. But those who are saved by grace do good works. And people can look at us and say, if you're a Christ follower, it's just obvious because we stand out. We're different. Whoever, 1 John 2, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a what? Is a liar. And that person, the truth is not in that person. If you're not obedient to Christ, man, if there's no spiritual fruit in your life, you're just deceived. And the devil's deceived you, and you're just lying to yourself. And I just got to say, that's one of my greatest fears. I look around, and I wonder how many of us are potentially not saved. We aren't true followers of Jesus. And you say, well, I'm good to go. I believe in Jesus. But the reality is God says the truth isn't in you because you're not doing what God says. And the verse that haunts me, is when Jesus said to those people who thought they were good to go and all this stuff, even that they did do, but Jesus, they hadn't surrendered their life to Jesus. Jesus said to them, depart from me. I didn't even know you. I've never knew you. The devil convinces us to lie to ourselves, to speak his native language, to live a lie. Now, why do we end up lying? I mean, why do we do it? And we do it for all sorts of reasons. Some of the reasons, we, we lie to protect our own feelings, so we lie to ourselves. We lie to protect someone else's feelings, right? It, it, it's the whole, yeah, you can't handle the truth. We lie to make ourselves look better or to feel better. We lie to ourselves so we can get ahead because we've reasoned that, hey, I got to play the game. And this is what people do in my industry, and so the only chance I have is to lie. 
We lie because we don't want to rock the boat. It's just easier to let it slide, to let it go. We lie because we've watched Seinfeld and we've said, and they said in Seinfeld, it's not a lie if you believe it. And so, you know, you're sort of like, okay, I believe it. So it's not a lie. That was a joke for Seinfeld reference, people. If you're younger than whatever, 30 or 40, ask someone else what Seinfeld is. There's lots of reasons we lie. If you could recognize the root reason behind why you lie, then you can bring truth to the root and find healing. Now, I got to tell you, I'm convinced that the reason most of us lie is because we don't completely trust God and his ways. We don't truly, ultimately trust God and trust that his ways are best. And so we, at the end of the day, we believe our lie will work better than God's truth. And the devil's convinced us of this. So what do you think? You think, well, the lie is going to keep me safe. If I tell a lie, then I'm not going to get in trouble. But listen, I want you to understand, when you lie, you're actually not safe. Because you're trying to build a life on a lie, and building a life on a lie is way more difficult and way more treacherous and destroying and damaging than building a life on truth. Or we might think by telling a lie, that person or that group, that it'll, it'll make me better and I'll be better. Well, the problem is you have a relationship that's built on lies. Or we think, hey, hey, I, I think I got to tell a lie because it's going to help me avoid conflict. But what's the truth? The truth is that sometimes our best relationships are on the other side of truth and honesty and genuineness and working through the conflict. We might think, hey, if I tell a lie, then I'm going to avoid disappointing people. But the truth is, most people respect those who are real and genuine and honest and truthful, who aren't afraid to share honestly. Or we think I have to lie to get ahead, to get them to do what I want them to do. But the truth is, people can see through those games. They can see through that charade. And they won't give in to that, and they're less likely to do what you want them to do in the dishonesty. At the root of our lives, we just believe that our ways will work better than God's ways, than God's truth. In other words, the reason ultimately that we lie is we just don't trust God enough. We don't trust God enough. We don't trust that his ways are best for us. Listen, the devil is the father of lies. And he is doing everything we can, he can to get us to, to disregard God's truth. To get us to believe that the lies will work better than truth. His greatest goal is deceive, to deceive you away from his truth. Or to deceive you away from God's truth. You and I know that the truth is a person. The truth has a name. His name is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the truth. And Jesus said, the truth will set you what? Free. The truth, Jesus, he's the one who sets us free. Truth sets us free. Lies bring bondage. 
Truth brings freedom. Lies bring bondage. Truth brings freedom. The devil wants you in bondage, not in freedom. And he has a plan. He wants you to tell a lie. He wants you to believe a lie. And he wants you to live a lie. But Jesus, he wants you to experience truth. Jesus, he wants you to walk in truth. He wants you to live in truth. Because ultimately, it's truth that sets us free from the bondage of lying and deception. Now, there's, as we get ready to wrap up, there's one particular truth that brings freedom in our lives that I want to just wrap up with, and that's confession. Confession. When we confess, we experience forgiveness, but then we also experience healing. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says this, If we confess our sins... He, God, is faithful and just. He will forgive us of our sins. He will cleanse us. He will purify us from all of our unrighteousness. And I love that. When you and I confess to God, what does he do? He forgives us. He separates our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't hold it against us. He cleanses us. He purifies us from all the bondage and all the sin and all the wreckage that's in our lives. We confess to God. And we don't do it so much for, for, for his sake. We do it for our sake. He already knows we sin. And so we confess to him saying, God, I need your forgiveness. And then he extends his grace. So we confess to God for forgiveness. But church, that is only part of the life-transforming power of confession. And it's where most of us stop. Right there with, with going for, for, before God and asking for forgiveness. And because we stop there, it's why most of us don't experience the freedom and the healing that God's word tells us that we can experience. We confess to God for forgiveness, but there's a second layer of confession. It's the second layer of confession is why it's so important that you and I are connected with other believers. Why we're in life groups, small groups, mentor groups, some type of smaller group of people sharing life together. It's why it's so critical. We don't just, why? Because we don't just confess to God for forgiveness. We also confess to people for healing. Where do I get that from? I get that from the book of James, where it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? What's the word? So that you may be? healed. Confessing to people is what God uses to bring incredible healing into your life. Now, it's important to confess to the right people in the right place at the appropriate time. Absolutely. Pray and ask God, God, who should I talk to? Who should I confess to? Who should I go before? Who's the appropriate person in the appropriate place at the appropriate time? Yes, you want to do that. The devil's a liar. He wants you to join him, to speak his native language, to get you to lie, to believe a lie, to live a lie. But if you'll confess to God, he's going to forgive you. You confess to others, and you'll find healing in your life. The devil doesn't want that for you. He wants you to stay wrapped up in bondage. Jesus wants you to know truth and experience truth and have the truth set you free. What do you want, bondage or freedom? Lies are truth. God invites you to step away, to walk away from the bondage, from the lies, and to step into truth, to step into freedom that is only found in and through Jesus Christ. Which will you choose? I know 
for a fact, God wants to set you free right now, today, to no longer have to carry to the secrets, to be caught up in in the oppression and in the lies and caught up in the wreckage and the guilt and the shame and the fear. He wants that to go away. He wants you to be completely free, completely forgiven. Bondage or freedom, what do you choose? Lies or truth? Let's pray about that now. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.